0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You're listening to the NFL Week 15 edition of the roto Sports Betting Pod, a subsidiary, uh, a valued component of the roto Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Nick Whalen, joined as always by John McKechnie. Uh, on Thursday afternoons to break down what is finally, John, a full NFL slate. We're done with this bye week crap. Arizona's <laughs> back. Washington's back. Uh, I don't think any teams opted for like a week 17 bye. Uh, I don't know if that's even an option. Could you get a week week 18 bye? Are we giving teams buys whatever they want? Uh, but we got a full slate. I, I love how this week is divided up, right? Like I still don't really know exactly why we had two Monday night games. I know I, I read a couple of explainers. Like I get it. I'm fine with it. I, I love it. You know, more, more kind of diversification of football throughout the week I think is better. We get three games on Saturday. We got a game starting in about three hours tonight. Uh, Very excited to break all this down with you, as always.
2: Yes. um, Let's see here. I I wish that they started the Saturday stuff last week. I know it's kind of sacrilege to say, but (laughs) I don't find that there's a ton of entertainment value in the the Army-Navy game. I, I enjoy the pageantry, and I, of course, have it on. But I would like to have... NFL options as opposed to uh, like FCS playoffs. So I wish there were games last Saturday, but yeah. love that we have them this week in addition to, to bowl games. So we're going to have football wall to wall on Saturday and an awesome slate on, on Sunday. Um, but before we, we get into uh, that this week's games, can we get a little back pat for, for last week? I mean, you know, we don't we don't gloat on this show. We in fairness, we don't have the opportunity to gloat very often, right. but we went four and one. Uh we, we ran clean and pure on Sunday, uh only to be uh you know derailed by, by the by the Dolphins. And also Johnny's parlay at eight to one came in. Oh. That's right. Hey,
1: we love it. We love it. Yeah, it was a great week all around, man. Um, you know, had, had some some prop bets going, you know, did well in the pick'em league. I'm making a late season charge. Right now, I was left for dead. I was outside the top 20 like three wow. weeks ago. No, not anymore. And I tell you what, if, if both favorites had won on Monday night, I would be sitting even better. And so would we in the circuit contest. The Miami Dolphins were our lone blemish. And look, I will take full blame for that because right after the second of, of two turnovers for Tennessee, that happened. It felt like in like 90 seconds of real time to just hand the Dolphins two touchdowns. I texted you like, hey, man, we're, we're getting a miracle cover here. Let's go. And y- you were a little bit more uh, tempered with your reaction and turns out you were right because Miami ended up blowing that one, not only losing us the cover, I believe we had him at what? 13, 13 and a half. Yeah, 13. Um, so we,
2: we were, j- it was perfect. And then, yeah, uh, and then they, they, uh, the Titans scored, got the two point conversion. I immediately texted you back. I just want the Titans to win. I hope the dolphins yeah. screw them
1: yeah at that point I'm, I'm trying to go through the imaginations of like all right so we'll probably need a safety uh then we'll need another <laughs> touchdown on top of that and yeah that is the that is the mind of a football better when you when you start doing that math it almost never works out in your favor but you're right man we'll, we'll take a four and zero or a four and one week in the circuit contest we're kicking off the fourth quarter uh of that but yeah it would have been nice to go five and oh i i felt like we had it in hand uh, after that that derrick henry you know fumble on the pitch play but oh. uh good on tennessee for rallying back we'll talk about their matchup with the houston texans whether or not maybe we want to use Tennessee if we don't have CJ Stroud out there this weekend. But real quick, John, for the live listeners, uh, like we said, we got Thursday night football starting in a couple hours. Most of you listening, you know, this game will be ongoing or or will have already happened. Uh, But your quick thoughts here, no Keenan Allen as of right now, sounds very unlikely that Josh Jacobs uh, will be out there as well.
2: So it's kind of sick, but I, I think the with all the injuries and everything on the Chargers side, I kind of like them tonight. Uh, The the line really not not budging over the course of the week. It's like what you know what what do they know that we don't? I mean, or you know, not budging since Monday. Like it it was uh, when we were recording this time a week ago. The the Chargers I think were like four point favorites. So it's it's moved a decent bit, but like over the course of the week, in response to the action coming in, it is held firm at three points in favor of the Raiders. I think Easton sticks a wild card. I I think that um, we didn't really get to see it on display last week, but this guy is kind of a crazy athlete. Like he, you know, if you, if you check out the rotawire.com you go to the football stats and you go to the combine stats, who has the greatest three cone drill of a quarterback in recorded combine history. It's Eason stick.
1: Okay. I would have said Jared Lorenzen, but all right. Yeah. That, that checks out. Um, there's, <laughs> no, there's there there absolutely a like berserker factor at play tonight, really for both teams. You know, I, you could talk me into either side here. I, I, I reluctantly went with the Raiders in my, in my article. Um, you know, that was, I, I think I, I was writing it as Keenan Allen got ruled out. Um, and to me that was kind of the kicker, but we also saw Quentin Johnston somewhat come alive by his standards last week. He did catch a deep ball for Easton stick. Like, you know, both of these teams, like Vegas is still, I, I think you could talk yourself into like hanging around, uh, in the AFC wildcard picture. I don't think either of these teams are ultimately good enough to make it, but Now the Chargers really for the first time in the Brandon Staley era are just playing without any expectations. You know, it's like, this is a team that you just watch them. You watch Brandon Staley. You feel like he like feels the weight of, wow, we are underperforming yet again. Um, And we've, we've seen some other teams, like the giants feel like they're just playing this freewheeling. Yeah. Whatever happens, happens type of style, which, you know, sometimes that can be good for a team when you're, when you're just talking about a single isolated game and and not really looking at what the real expectations are.
2: No, exactly. So, I mean, you know, the Chargers, it, yeah, they're 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 able to kind of play free now. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I, I think in the in the first matchup, which I believe was Aiden O'Connell's uh, first start earlier this year, Khalil Mack had what like six sacks in that game, or, or something wild uh, to to that end. Um, so I, I'm expecting the, the Chargers' edge personnel to be in uh, that that Raiders' backfield, mm-hmm. and you know, with no Josh Jacobs. I don't think there's going to be any run game to, to kind of help out Aiden O'Connell. And I think that yeah, there's just something. Uh, funky that we might see with with this um, charter's offense. I'm hoping that Kellen Moore has kind of adjusted the game plan accordingly and 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 everything like that. But you know, if we're looking at props, uh, and I, I won't uh, belabor that this game too much longer. But again, Eason Stick, being the athlete he is, he's almost twenty to one to to score an anytime touchdown tonight. So with that scrambling ability, I'm I'm here for it.
1: Hey, maybe, maybe they got him returning punts tonight. Who knows? I mean, I, I got to be honest. I didn't realize he was this caliber of athlete. I'm sticking with the Raiders. They're at home, uh, you know, sitting right at three. It's like, I don't know, might as well just take the money line at that point. Um, but this is clearly a stay away. We never, never, we never even talked about, you know, getting our no. entry in early. <laughs> we we, we got to get a play in uh, on Chargers Raiders. And in general for the circuit contest, I think the only Thursday game we have played all year was the, the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving. Uh, right. know, it's just, in my opinion, it's just not a good idea, especially this week of all weeks when we still have some major injury news that we're waiting on. Let's get into the Saturday slate. So we got three games on Saturday, John, our first three games of the week counting tonight are all backup quarterback versus backup quarterback. We will not see a true starter until Saturday night, Broncos lions, but we begin, uh, with the noon window on Saturday Vikings at the Bengals, this number holding at three, uh, for the most part throughout the week, that's where it sits at DraftKings right now. Uh, That's where it locked in the circuit contest. Total uh, is 40 and a half. That's been on the move uh, in a downward direction throughout the week. I like Cincinnati here. I I don't like some of the movement or maybe the lack of movement that we've seen, you know, in, in reaction to Nick Mullins getting the start for Minnesota. I know, you know, a few years ago, he looked decent in a couple of starts for the San Francisco 49ers. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks look decent for the Niners. I think this is a completely different situation. Although the Vikings will get Justin Jefferson back. Uh, and that is a, it's a big boost. You know, we didn't really get to see what he looks like, you know, over the course of a full game last week. Glad that he of course avoided a, a major injury, but I, I like Cincinnati to keep it rolling here at home.
2: I do too. I, I almost hate how much I like Cincinnati at, at this number. Yeah. I mean, they, they uh, you know, they, they looked good last week. That obviously looked good the week before. So, you know, J- Jake Browning has these guys going. Uh, they, they've gotten Chase Brown involved in the mix i um, a little bit worried about uh, the defense for the Bengals. It really hasn't been anywhere close to, to where it's been under, under Lou Anaruma over these last couple of years. But I think with him getting the opportunity to face off against a quarterback like Nick Mullins, I think that he's going to throw the kitchen sink at him and there, there's no real run game to lean on in Minnesota's case with, with Madison being dinged up. Uh, it's going to be the Ty Chandler show there. And I, I don't think that's a, a great show by, by any means. So, I yeah. do like the, I like the Bengals here. I, I I don't see why it's not closer to like four, four and a half. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't really see a huge case for uh, the Vikings here as far as like a, a prop goes, I am interested in Hawkinson because the, the Bengals are so bad against tight ends and you figure, you know, tight ends tend to be a safety blanket for, for uh backup quarterbacks. So I think he's mm-hmm. going to be really busy, but beyond that, not much to like on the Vikings side here. I think that the Bengals at home get, get another win and, I was talking about this with with Mario earlier, where it's like you have to be in such a weird headspace if you're a Bengals fan. Like the, the season effectively ends what yeah. three weeks ago when when Joe Burrow injures injures his wrist and and the season and his season's over, and you lose to the Steelers, and it's like all right, well let's just tank it out and and get it get a good draft pick, and then you know kind of have things go go well ne- next season, blah blah blah, but. Now you've banked a couple of wins against AFC teams, like an important win really for, especially against Indianapolis last week for, for wildcard purposes. Like you get, if you're a Bengals fan, it's kind of like, ugh, let's just see where this, this goes here and, and let's try to get into the playoffs and, and see what happens. Them and the Browns kind of in a very similar mm-hmm. uh, type of headspace, And uh, you know what? I, I do like the Bengals here. You
1: know, it's interesting you bring that up. Uh, we talked to Charlie Goldsmith from the Cincinnati Inquirer, really good beat writer, uh, been covering the Bengals for a while. He was on our SiriusXM XM show last night. And I, I basically asked him that same question. I'm like, you know, not, not looking at the fan base, but the team specifically. I'm like, you're around this team all the time. You know, you know, the team as well as anybody. Like, has there been a noticeable shift in mindset, energy, you know, over these last couple of weeks? And he was like, yes, absolutely. He said it was the Jacksonville game that really changed things. He's like, this was a team that was clearly down on their luck, clearly felt like their season was over, especially after how the Pittsburgh game went, you know, the first game without Joe Burrow. And he said, as soon as they won that Jacksonville game, he's like, thinks that There's been a noticeable switch that flipped in that locker room. And he said they know that they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Like that's still off the table. Um, but he, he said there's a kind of a renewed sense of optimism of just you know see let it ride. You know, see what you could do with this season. Get a wild card spot and, and and see what happens. So yeah, that's that. It's hard to quantify what that really means for betting purposes uh, with, with the Bengals. But I like Cincinnati here. I trust the quarterback more, which is crazy because he's making his fourth career start. Uh, but I also trust the players around him more too. I mean Chase Brown. Has been fantastic the last couple of weeks. He's, he's emerged as a really nice change of pace to Joe Mixon. Jamar Chase is off the injury report. T. Higgins looked better last week. So, obviously, getting Justin Jefferson back, that's big for Minnesota. But even with that, like you take Joe Burr away, that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else suffers dramatically, right? It's like you don't have quite as much upside fantasy wise with guys like Chase and Higgins and whatnot, but they're still great players. They're still all pro caliber players around Jake Browning. And, you know, that's part of the reason that I like Cincinnati. So, we're in agreement on that one. I like the Bengals minus three Steelers Colts Colts minus one and a half total is 42. They are at home. This is a, a big stay away for me, John. And this is my one pointer as of right now in the pickup league for the week.
2: Understandably. So, I mean, it's the it, arguments can be made for both sides and both of them like feel bad. And feel you, feel like you're, you're poking holes in your own argument, making your case, um, you know, the Steelers, have had a disastrous last couple of weeks. I mean, your your favorites, you you're kind of entering the, the stretch of the season where it's like, okay, we, we have some winnable games here. We need to bank these wins. We need to beat the Cardinals at home. We we need to beat the Patriots at home. And you you flub both of them. And now your backs are against the wall and you're you're going on the road to face it, you know, a pretty solid Indianapolis team. I think this is the time to buy back in on pittsburgh because they're they're underdogs um and in indianapolis some of their some of their best work has really mostly been done on the road this year they haven't been unbeatable at home by by any stretch um so i like pittsburgh here there's not a ton of great rationale uh behind it it's it's hard to build it when you have mitchell trubisky uh like looming in the background of of whatever you're trying to say in favor of pittsburgh but um I, i think that as long as the defense is healthy. You know they get Watt in there. They they get Highsmith in there. You still have Minka Fitzpatrick and JPJ. I think that's enough to to slow down this Indianapolis offense. And I think that the Indianapolis defense, for its own part, can make some mistakes. It's a pretty mistake prone unit. It, it gets a lot of sacks, but beyond that, um, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of uh, cushion that that could be had for, for this Pittsburgh offense. So I like Pittsburgh here. But but you know, to your point, this is like one of the lower confidence. Uh, picks that, that we're going to go through today.
1: It just feels like a classic Mike Tomlin spot. You know, it's like, this is, this is to the Steelers. What last week's game was to the Patriots in some mm. ways where you're like, man, they have hit rock bottom. They can't do anything. They can't score. They can't move the ball. We, we hate their quarterback. Their coach feels like he's on the way out. And then of course they find a way to win straight up. And I, I, I kind of feel that way about the Steelers this week. It just, it, it's still a better team. I, I think at heart than they've shown. And you know, like you said, Trubisky is the big thing. It's like, he, there's just nothing there. You know, there's no, I think there's this belief early on that it's like, yeah, you know, Pickett, Trubisky, there's not really that much of a difference. And I'm not the biggest Kenny Pickett guy, but there's just something like wildly uninspiring about watching Mitchell Trubisky sail balls out of balance on third and seven over and over again. So the Steelers are going to have to show up on defense, right? Like the Colts are that team that, you know, they didn't like, they'll, they'll Jekyll and Hyde you in any given week. Like they were terrible last week. They needed a defensive touchdown just to get to 14 points. If Pittsburgh can hold them under 20, I think they win this game. But if the Colts, have one of those, you know, positive variance games where Minshew's slinging it all over the place and they're ripping off big plays and they're scoring in the mid to high 20s, then I don't know if Pittsburgh keeps up. And that's why it's so tough to me. So I'm I'm labeling this one a stay away, but I did go with Pittsburgh uh, in my article. It it just, again, we can can talk about all the Mike Tomlin underdog stats if we want, but this just feels like a a Tomlin, you know, coaches and wills this team to a victory type of game on the road. Broncos Lions. What do you got? You got one more?
2: I, I do not, but we do have a super chat from our guy, oh. Lucky Leo. He wants to know. So we, we got to put on our, our fantasy hats here, Nick. Okay. Uh, do, do you have it handy? Um,
1: um, no, I don't, but I, I will figuratively put it on. It's on.
2: Okay, perfect, because we got a toughie. Odell Beckham, Jarek McKinnon, Jamal Williams, I'm guessing, or maybe Jameson, or Gabe Davis uh, this week uh, as as the flex option. Um, I, I guess let's talk through that. I mean, Odell, for for his part, I think has been the most uh explosive of, of the Baltimore receivers, uh, especially of late. He's starting to look a lot better. McKinnon, obviously, going to going to like you know have his share of the of the backfield just because you know we, we're not expecting Pacheco to be out there. Yeah, no practice um, I,
1: for Pacheco today, for what it's worth.
2: You you are the 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 inside Pacheco guy. You are the the company Pacheco man. Um, so that there's that to consider, but I, I don't like the matchup on the road against the Patriots. I, I think the chiefs will be fine. We'll get to that, but, um, I, I don't think that it's going to really come on the ground. You, you're really counting on him, uh, you know, sort of recapturing the late season magic from last year, maybe catching, uh, some touchdowns, uh, as far as Gabe Davis, I think is, is the interesting, uh, one, uh, one on here because that the over under in that game is it is set at like 50, 50 and a half. So it's one of the higher scoring games that we can expect. Uh, for for this one and then, oh uh, Javante Williams not not Jamison uh, being the other one all told I think it's Odell I think Odell's my my pick uh, of the of this litter um, the volume might not be crazy but I think that's okay when you when you bring re- uh, bring in like the half point PPR context instead of the full um, I think what you're counting on for for Odell is yardage and touchdowns and I, I think he can provide that
1: this week. I lean Odell as well, especially because lucky Leo has Lamar at quarterback and you know, you're know you kind of looking for the double up there. What we have not mentioned is how terrible the Jags defense has been the last couple of weeks. And they've actually held up decently well against the run, um, but they've been terrible against the past. They're a bad tackling team. You know, uh, Tyson Campbell's been banged up when he's out there. He doesn't look anything near like himself. Uh, so I, I would lean Odell as well. I would go Javante next and then Gabe Davis. I mean, the thing with Gabe Davis is it, it feels like he's either going, you know, four for 120 and two touchdowns or like one for 12. You know, it's like, I, I think if you are it, it kind of depends how you feel about the rest of your roster, I suppose, you know, you're in the fantasy playoffs. If you're up against it, if you're projected to lose by 15 points and you're just like, man, I, I need somebody who can give me 25 fantasy points. Like, yeah, it's conceivable that Gabe Davis could do that in what could very easily be a shootout against the Dallas team that, you know, as a good defense, but also a, a very, mistake bro defense, right? We saw Duron Bland a couple weeks ago getting burned over and over, right? He it, it has what, six pick sixes on the year, um, but he'll also give up yardage, right? I think everybody's kind of adopted that that Trayvon Diggs mantra in that in that secondary. So yeah, Odell to me is is probably the perfect or at least the best mixture of upside and floor for me. Yep. Uh, so that's where I would lean if this was my lineup, especially with Lamar in there. Uh, but again, I, I like the matchup for Javante Williams. I mean, teams have been piling up yards. All over detroit as well so I, I don't think that's a bad option you, you got it's tough because you have you have three guys that i think are, are in pretty good contention here you i'd feel relatively comfortable starting odell javante or gabe davis um but you know sometimes the good problems to have make it even more difficult if, if you choose the wrong guy but Definitely. odell beckham final answer appreciate the question appreciate the the super chat lucky leo
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare care regimen, including EE system.
1: All right, let's get to Detroit and Denver. This game is in Detroit. Lions, four and a half point favorites. At the DraftKings sportsbook, our totals up at 48, one of the highest of the week. I believe that is our third highest, behind only Commanders, Rams, and Cowboys, Bills. This is a really, really tricky one for me, John. I I'm waiting for like the Lions resurgence game. You know, we thought we maybe had that against New Orleans two weeks ago, and they were fantastic on offense for two quarters, and then almost allowed the Saints to come back and win that game. Kind of a complete no show by the Lions last week. You know, allow a, a long touchdown drive on the first drive of the game. And it just felt like they were immediately panicking. That's, that's what really worries me about the lions. It's even in games where things are going well for them early on, like the new Orleans game, if they have like two bad drives in a row, things just seem to go haywire. Like Jared Goff loses his confidence. You know, he's throwing balls low into the ground. Receivers are running the wrong routes. Dan Campbell is just going for it on any fourth down, just because you, you feel like you got to get it all back in one possession. And, you know, Denver's a team that just for the most part, doesn't really make mistakes. You know, the Houston game, that's the only one they've lost in their last seven. And it's not a coincidence that Russell Wilson threw three picks in that game, right? Like when they, when they can dictate their style, when they can methodically move it down the field, you know, they'll hit one or two chunk plays to Cortland Sutton. But other than that, it's screens, it's keeping the ball on the ground. Um, That worries me. If Detroit allows Denver to do that early on, we've just seen the lions kind of go into panic mode too many times. So where do you come in on this one?
2: I've been pretty firmly on, on Denver throughout uh, the the week. Um, I, I think to me, the lions and, and the seahawks were, were two teams that i've kind of circled as as fraudulent and it, it's shown a lot more of course in the case of seattle they've lost four straight uh it's been a tough schedule for them to be to be fair in that stretch but uh even still had some lingering concerns about them before things went went completely uh off the cliff but the lions um you know for the the era of good feelings back in september i think um you know they I, I'm not saying that they're gonna gonna miss the playoffs or or anything, but like I I wouldn't be like completely shocked if the, if they somehow lost their their grip on the NFC North crown. Like yeah. it, it just it feels like something. I think arrived. I think Green Bay
1: needed to win last week. I think they're they're gonna back their way into the division. I, I don't think I don't see that happening.
2: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right, it gets me back uh, focused here, but um, basically. Something's up with the Lions. I think the defense, you know, where whereas we used to be able to say, like, oh, it's a roller coaster. Like sometimes they have a good week and and sometimes they, they have a bad one. Now it's consistently a poor defense. Aaron Glenn seems to be in over his head. The personnel um is not good enough to kind of paper over that. Um, so I, I know that the, the Broncos aren't a particularly explosive offense, but they're methodical. And and to your point, they're they're for the most part mm-hmm. uh mistake free. And I think this is a fairly um, friendly number that that we're getting to with with it being um, well, well over uh, field goal, you know, Lions minus four and a half. So I think that if the Broncos lose, they don't lose by a lot. I think they keep it within the number. Um, I'm tempted by by the Broncos money line, but for for you know the purpose of just the the spread here, um, give give me the Broncos plus four and a half.
1: So what worries me about Denver is this is their third consecutive road game like that that wears on you. You don't see a ton of you know three straight road trips uh, in the NFL and you know tough spot to play in Detroit. Um, but at, at the same time, there are some trends that I think would point you away from the Lions. You know Jared Goff just one in five straight up on short rest with the Lions, two and eight straight up on short rest in his last ten starts in this spot. Uh, obviously, you know, Denver's on short rest as well. So it's not like that's that big of an advantage. And we're we're talking one day as opposed to playing on a Thursday, but still something to consider there. Um, you know, we mentioned it when talking about Javante Williams, the Lions have allowed four straight 100 plus yard rushing games to their last four opponents. They did that only one time in their first nine games. Like something has dramatically changed with this defense. I, I know they've been banged up. You know, they've, they've been missing some guys in the interior, but it, it kind of feels like a runaway train. And I, I don't know if this is something that you can, necessarily just you know flip the switch on in any given week so I I do think Denver's gonna have a chance to to control this game uh you know I, I think they might be the better coach team at this point as well I know everybody loves Dan Campbell but I think Sean Payton you know it's maybe not getting enough credit for the the mid-season turnaround that he's been able to orchestrate uh with Denver and I I, I think I would take Detroit to win this game but I, I think it's a three-point game you know this is a 24 21 27 24 type of game to me that the lions pull out at home but if you're giving me the four and a half with denver i'm going to take that let's go go. to the sunday slate and we begin john falcons panthers total sitting at 33 and a half we'll get to that in a moment the falcons are three point road favorites as they should be over one and 12 panthers team you know i did some digging on the weather in charlotte at 1 p.m according to our friends at weather.com there is a 95 percent chance of rain and the winds, the steady winds, not gusts, are projected to be sitting at 23 miles per hour. So I, I love the under on 33 and a half. I mean, e- even without the weather, that might be something that I would look into. And, you know, on the prop side of things, I, I did a video that'll be up on our Instagram uh, you know, a little bit later in the week. I, I love the under on Bryce Young, 187 and a half passing yards. Like he's already gone under yes. this number. He's gone under this number in five of his last six. He has not had a 200 yard game. He hasn't even really been close since week eight. And again, 95 percent chance of rain. 23 mile per hour wins. I mean, give me the under on Desmond Ritter, 186 and a half passing yards, and give me the over on Tyler Algier, 29 and a half rushing yards. I think this is going to be a run fest. I think it's going to be super ugly. It's going to be sloppy. Uh, Carolina, you know, quietly ran for 200 plus yards last week against the Saints. So that that is something that they at least kind of have in their back pocket. I mean, you, you could quibble about how effective it was when you lose that by three scores, uh, but I think we get a really low scoring game, a sloppy game. I don't, I don't see Carolina winning outright. I I think this actually does kind of play to Atlanta's favor. I think the more you run, the more you're limiting mistakes by Desmond Ritter. Um, but, but the sloppiness factor here maybe steers me away from considering Atlanta minus three in the circuit contest.
2: Yeah. I I don't want to touch this for, for, uh, the the contest purposes, you know, it's a divisional game, uh, weird weather. Um, so yeah, it should be ugly. And and with, with the number being what, what it is, uh, probably best to, to hold off, um, Bijan, I think it's going to be a nice game for for Bijan. Uh, You can get him to score two touchdowns for like plus 850, considering that one as an option. But beyond that, I I think he's going to crush. Um, But beyond that, um, this Falcons defense, I think, is going to be pretty suffocating. Um, It's going to be another long day for for Bryce Young. I I know you said a minute ago, you know, the, the Panthers quietly ran for 200 yards. Question for you. Is there anything that the Panthers do that that isn't done quietly? Like, no one really pays attention other than the fact that, oh, yeah, they
1: lost again. No, they're the most boring team in the NFL. They are. And in some ways, that's a good thing because I think it's deflected from the fact that they're a complete disaster in our 1-12. and But I feel like we make fun of, you know, three or four other teams way more than we do the Panthers. They're just boring. They're, they're, the, they're going to be the most boring one- or two-win team in NFL history. They, they haven't done anything comedic. Which actually kind of sucks, right? If you're gonna lose that many yeah. games, you should be doing you should be doing more funny things. You should be running out of the back of the end zone, things like that. Uh and meanwhile, you know, it's the Jets and the Commanders and the Falcons and the Giants that are, you know, racking up all the comedy New England this year. Um, yeah, that, that's just who the Panthers are, man. They just kind of they they actually like if you watch them in the second half, it's like <laughs> they almost play as if they're leading. You know, there's like, well, we're just gonna run out the clock on this. We're we're down seven, but we have no chance to come back. it's just it's weird. There's just no, there's no sense of aggressiveness or ability. To, to climb back into games because they're always playing from behind, of course. And you, you just don't really, you don't really feel like they have that in them. And it, I, to me, I, I think they're multiple years away, you know, from getting this thing turned around, but that's, that's a conversation for another day. I think we'll label this one a stay away as well. Really fun game. that I'm looking forward to bears Browns mm. would not have had this one circled even three weeks ago. Certainly would not have had it circled coming into the season. Browns three point favorites at home. 38 and a half is our total I am thoroughly vexed by this one, John. I, I would like I would like to trust the Browns at the same time. It felt like to me, Jacksonville played a disaster game on a number of levels and still almost won on the road last week. Uh you know, Joe Flacco gets a lot of praise for for the way he he commanded that offense, but Cleveland really struggled to run the ball on a bad Jags defense. They turned it over three times. Can we trust them here at home?
2: I do um, because I'm not ready to trust the Bears yet, uh, and, I, and I know it's it's crazy to say about you know Joe Flacco coming off the couch, uh, you know making his third start type of thing, but um, the defense is pretty lights out, especially at, at home. And Flacco, for for his part, looks at least competent. And I think when when you have a roster build like like the Browns do, that's all you really need. I mean, like, is he really playing that much differently that, than Deshaun Watson was when things were going pretty good? Earlier this season, I don't know. Uh, it, it's not too dissimilar in in my opinion. Um, so I think that that you know there's a little bit more openness in, in this passing game, a little bit more aggressiveness going down the field with with him. So th- there's that element. I know that the Bears are, are playing much better defensively. We we love them last week against the Lions, um, and that you know they performed well. They 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 did what they were supposed to do, and and uh, you know kind of uh, you know it has people saying which. I've I've kind of been cracking up over the course of the week with with uh, Bears Twitter. Uh they're like, We're five and four in our last nine. Like that that's something that oh. the, the Bears Hello. fans are, are uh, thumping their, their chests about. But uh for, for me, um oh and we do have a note here that it's Browns minus three and a half, um, apparently in the, in the contest. So in the contest, is-
1: yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I I usually read the DraftKings lines, um mm-hmm. you know, for for the purposes of this pod. But yeah, in circa it is three and a half.
2: Okay, all right. So that that is something to consider for for us. But yes, the the live line being three, but either way, I, I think Cleveland can can get this done uh, regardless of his three or three and a half. I, I think that um, you know the, the mistake free nature of of Fields last week. Can he carry that uh, into a road game against a defense that that tends to play a lot better at home? I'm not so sure. I, I want to believe in Justin Fields. We're almost there, but I think this is a big you know kind of. Proving ground for him. And I'm I'm happy to eat my words if he makes me look wrong here, but um I'm siding with the Browns here.
1: Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they are on the road at the Green Bay Packers. Our number is three and a half at the DraftKings Sportsbook. This one also three and a half in the circuit contest, total sitting at 42 uh Buccaneers are i believe one in 14 straight up in their last 15 games at green bay going all the way back to the days of the the nfc central when these teams were for some reason in the same division for a while uh you know hearkening back to warren sap and brett Favre. Actually, the central i yeah i just watched the reggie white 30 for 30 last night pretty wild guy i you know I, I knew he was religious i didn't know he was that religious but it was it was worth watching if you're wondering i mean it's i, I love the ones that go deep you know if you're a sports fan like a lot of the recent 30 for 30s, if you like are like, oh, it's 48 minutes. Great. And you're you're always like, man, I wish I wish that was twice as long. This one's an hour 45. So you're getting the full depth. Um, I never really realized the story of like how we ended up in Green Bay via free agency and all that. So <clears throat> I'm not gonna spoil it. You know, a lot of you maybe know that story already, but uh highly endorsed given that a watch. It's out on ESPN Plus right now. Nice. But what do we think here, John? Um I think Green Bay kind of threw everybody into a tizzy, right? We were. We were all over Giants plus six and a half last week. I actually wish we would have used that in the contest in retrospect. Easy to say now, um, but that was a popular pick in Circa. The the Packers, you know, Circa does a a cool thing where they released, you know, the the number of people who picked each side each week. Packers minus six and a half was like one of the three fewest picked, unsurprisingly. Uh, I didn't think the Packers would lose that game straight up, uh, but that was one that, you know, clearly they were not prepared for. Right away, you just knew, oh boy, this is going to be a sweat. Uh, You know, Jordan Love missed two huge throws on, I think, Packers' first two drives on third down, just sailing balls. He he couldn't even throw a spiral in the first half. You know, lost a fumble, threw a pick. Uh, Green Bay got it together. Love played, I actually thought, a pretty good second half. But defensively, man, this team is is a mess. The pitchforks are out for Joe Barry once again. Uh, They they had been placed back in the barn for like a month. But no, uh, no, they're back. I I can tell you that uh, here in in Wisconsin. The Packers have allowed four 200-yard rushing games this season four can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers capitalize on that? I'm not saying they're rushing for 200. I don't think they can, I don't think they're actually capable of putting up that kind of total, but I, I have already invested in Rashad white over 80 and a half rushing yards.
2: Well, um, Hmm. Let's see here. Yeah. It, I mean, when that's been the, the recent issue for, for the Packers or, or the season long issue uh with, with all his 200 yard performances, uh, the, the best type of matchup is one like, playing against the Buccaneers and they're at home. And I think people are, you know, pretty uh, salty uh, uh, with the results from Green Bay last week. You know, t- to your point, I, I have a uh, a Twitter friend uh, who-, who announced it in a chat. I've been banned by the uh, Packers subreddit once again. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess he-, he was saying some stuff about Joe Barry as well. Um, but be- beyond that, I think, you know, what we talked about last week with, with the Bucks and Baker Mayfield and and, uh, Todd Bowles and their historical trends against the spread or as underdogs, I think they come into play this week. I think that going up to Green Bay in December for a team like Tampa Bay, yeah, I think this is the spot to to go back to Green Bay. I think the number is friendly enough. Um, You know, at 3.5 is not lovely. We'd prefer it to be at at 2.5, of course. But even still, um, I think that, you know, we were you know very – Excited about this Packers turnaround, you know. This time a week ago, it was obviously a really bad game against the Giants, but I, I think that they are more what they had been the previous three, four weeks that, than just last week's game. So uh, I will take the the pack in this one. And usually, I'm a guy who's like, "Oh no, I, I can I can see the Bucks doing this, not this time."
1: For what it's worth, it's actually supposed to be relatively warm uh, in Wisconsin this weekend. Like I'm playing golf tomorrow. It's not going to be quite that warm on Sunday, but I think we're talking like high thirties, low forties. So you're not getting You're not getting frozen tundra per se. Um, Still not an advantage, though, by any means for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And like you said, Todd Bowles, one of the worst underdog coaches in NFL history, not just among current coaches, 15 and 42 straight up in his career as a dog, 24, 30 and three against the number as an underdog. He's 25 and 16 straight up as a favorite. So, yeah, if you want to lean on that trend, I get it. I I think, you know, again, Green Bay felt like they played almost a worst case scenario half uh, against the Giants, and you know, still rally back. Still, probably should have won if you're not in like you know mega prevent defense um, and just allowing the Giants to to rip off big plays and, and get down into field goal range. You know, if Green Bay finds a way to win that game, we're we're, we're probably talking about them quite a bit differently. So this is one where I, I really wanted to try to be careful to not overreact to last week. I still don't love the Packers at three and a half. You know, two and a half, sure. Three and a half, I don't, I don't know.
2: No, that that's definitely fair. Like it, it's definitely not on on like the easy like top five games that, that we're going to nope. be targeting this week. But I, I think it's at the least in the discussion, mostly because I, I think this is the time to to uh, fade uh, the Bucks more than anything.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, that brings us to the Jets and the Dolphins, A little AFC East battle down in Miami. Uh, John, last time we saw these teams, the Dolphins returned a pick six on a Hail Mary on the final play of the half. But that was Tim Boyle. You know, we're, we're back to Zach Wilson now, who I think you could say is coming off of maybe the best half of his career last week against Houston. I am not counting on that continuing. I will say that. Um, I, I I lean Jets here. The number's eight and a half, total's down at 37 and a half. We, we could get some movement here, you know, once we get clarity on, on Tyreek Hill, but we also might have a bad weather game. Down in Miami, it's going to be warm. It's going to be balmy, 77, 20 mile per hour winds, and light thunderstorms. I am told for Sunday afternoon. So, not really getting that that typical Miami weather advantage that you might think. Uh, where do you come in on this game? Uh Jets plus eight and a half, Miami minus eight and a half.
2: So that you're talking about trying to not be too overreactionary, and and you know you, then you're talking about Zach Wilson, and and mind you, that is AFC Offensive Player of the Week, Zach Wilson,
1: which technically <laughs> correct, yeah.
2: As uh, as our guy Mario said, in case you were wondering if you were supposed to take those uh, awards seriously. Um, But uh, excuse me, one second. Uh, We're good. Um, A little bit of holiday cold here, Um, but beyond that, uh, let's see here. So uh, I've, I don't know. I think I kind of like the Jets here. I I think that the Dolphins are a little bit dinged up. I think. Uh, you could easily see them, you know, doing something fairly similar to, to what they did on Black Friday to the Jets. But I think the Jets have to be feeling a little bit uh, better about themselves. You, you know, we, we've been worried over the last couple of weeks when it comes to the Jets, where it's like, when does the defense just say, screw this, you know, but um, the offense actually showed a pulse last week against the Texans. Uh, we kind of had a, a sent out for for that game with, with the way that the line was moving. It's like, how is, how are the Jets like, Get you know, how's the line moving towards them? Um, but in this setup, I feel like if they can just continue to, to again, have the pulse on offense, I'm not expecting them to score 30 points again, but they can do their own part on offense and, and slow down this Miami attack that is banged up. I mean, Tyreek Hill, even if he plays, is he going to be himself? I'm not so sure. Raheem Mostert on, on the injury report earlier this week as well. So I, I don't know. I mean, we, we saw what this offense looks like sans Tyreek last week, and it was pretty uninspired. Um, and it's a really tough Jets defense that I think it is playing with a little bit more confidence right now. So eight and a half is a lot. I like the Jets here.
1: I think I like the Jets as well. Uh, it, it's worth noting that a week and a half ago, this line was 13 and a half. And, you know, part of it is the conditions. Part of it is, you know, what happened last week and and more than anything, I think the injuries, I, we need to, we need to wait and see on Tyree killed that. That to me is the biggest chess piece, obviously for Miami. And, you know, I, I think we, we, we kind of got the the result that a lot of people had thought was, was maybe bubbling under the surface for a while of like, all right, let's see what this offense looks like without Tyreek Hill. Y- you want to try to tell me that two is the MVP. Well, what happens when he doesn't have Tyreek? This offense looked terrible. Right. And it mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't just that, but the offensive line too, it was crumbling, right. Without Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, I, I thought that that was part of the reason I love Miami so much last week was you're taking one of the best interior defensive tackles in the entire league out of the equation and Tennessee, put as much pressure on two as he's faced at any time, this season. Now, another part of that is Connor Williams their starting center, you know, went out early. He's done for the year, torn ACL. I don't think it's a coincidence that three plays later, you know, there's a fumbled quarterback center exchange inside the two yard line by Miami to hand over a turnover. Uh, You know, their entire offensive line is banged up. You know, one of their guards is is unlikely to play. Uh, We'll see if they get to Armstead back. That feels like a 50, 50, even their backup center, Liam Eikenberg. He's on the injury report. Raheem Mostert. He's on the injury report. I don't think eight chan's gonna play this week. Tyree Hill seems like a true 50-50. If you got to make a pick right now, to me it's Jets. If the injury luck trends in a in a better direction for Miami, I think eight and a half suddenly becomes a pretty friendly number. But at the same time, you know, Miami now kind of has to reprove themselves. Right? They they've had to do it a few times this season. You know, they had some letdowns against good teams on the road. They've done nothing but clean up against bad teams at home. And then now that illusion is shattered in week 14. So it's it's a tough spot here, but I do think the Jets are playing with with some momentum now. It's just, I, I you just count you can't count on that version of Zach Wilson showing up again. That's what scares me.
2: No, you you can't. But I, I think you could also say that you know as long as it's mistake free and methodical, and if they get set up in some short fields, which the defense could provide, um, I, I feel like that this could be something that, that plays into the Jets' hands. And if they keep this to like a low scoring game, I think they definitely hang within this number. I'd, I'm not going to go so far as to say that they win this one, but um, I, I think that they make this one close and, and the Dolphins are going to have to sweat again. And, and you know, to your point, Benson uh, noted uh, chat in live viewer notes all of the uh, injuries across that um, Dolphins offensive line. I mean, Daron uh, Armstead, uh, again, like you said, Connor Williams, Ro- Robert Hunt, doubtful, Austin Jackson, a little bit dinged up. So, I mean, that's that's a lot to account for, um, especially if if Tyreek is not himself. So um, I think all signs kind of point to the Jets here.
1: All right, Giants Saints, fun game in the NFC. Saints are six point favorites at home. That's our number in the circuit contest as well. Another low total Sitting at thirty nine, which is actually relatively high these days. I mean, I don't think thirty nine even counts as that low. That's like average. Saints, do they deserve to be given six here? You know, is there is there a comeback to earth game for the New York Giants? Like, I, just just as hesitant as I am about Zach Wilson, I kind of feel the same way about Devito. It's like you look good. You got to give him his credit, you know, especially doing what he did on the ground, but. It's also clear to me that Green Bay was just not prepared whatsoever for the fact that he could run, and I, I think the Saints are going to be better prepared on defense. I, I still don't think they're a great team overall, in, in terms of their coaching, I, I think that's probably hindered them. Obviously, Derek Carr feels like his teammates are just like done with him at this point. Yep. That continues to build. Do we tr- do do we are, are we willing to take the jet or the the Giants side of this at plus six? I I really don't know. This this is this was my runner up for the Nick Whalen Stay Away of the Week in my article.
2: Yeah, it's it's right there. I I have no idea what to do with this game because I want to believe in the Giants, but then I see the number being posted, what what it is, and it's like, all right, maybe maybe I need to just you know get get Tommy Cutlets out of my mind and realize that this is a, a better Saints team. But the Giants' defense has been playing better uh, of late. They're getting after the quarterback, Kavon Thibodeau, coming on pretty strong there. Um, so there, there's things to like on, on that side. Uh, Wink Martindale, a very like blitz heavy. Type of defensive coordinator so you know they're going to be getting after Derek Carr a good bit um so it I want to believe in the Giants here but but seeing the the spread be w- what it is um it makes me think that that the Saints probably cover it but it, it is worth noting the Saints just covered their first game at home this year last weekend against the Panthers so basically I don't even count that um they, they were 0-5 at home against the number uh prior to last week um I my my Heart says to, to take the Giants, my head says the Saints, and therefore my, my official uh stamp on this game is to stay off of it.
1: <sighs> Could not agree more. Uh, I'm glad that's where we come in on this one because I will be staying far, far away as well. Quick reminder, John, it is football season. You may not be aware of that, but it is football what? season at Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas. They got the best pool in history: Stadium Swim, three levels, six pools, and a 143-foot diagonal screen. Stadium Swim is America's favorite place to watch football. They play every game, every single game from college to the pros. You can catch all the action poolside. They got a variety of seating options, day beds, temperature controlled cabanas. Uh, You can just throw a towel down, lay out there, bend there. Uh, Stadium swim located at Circa Resort and Casino. It's open 365 days a year. All sports, all seasons. Book today at circalasvegas.com. That's circalasvegas.com. Texans, Titans, John. Titans are three point favorites currently at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Our total is 37. We get this one at two and a half in the circuit contest. And if you're new here, those lines come out on Thursday afternoon and they lock, they do not change for the rest of the week. I, I really like Tennessee here. If we don't see CJ Stroud for Houston. And as of right now, I I don't think we're going to see him. He, He remains in concussion protocol, did not practice, was not available on Thursday. In addition to that, Nico Collins did not practice on Thursday. Noah Brown remained limited uh, at practice today. Dalton Schultz should be back in the mix. We'll, we'll see how much that that you know, ultimately impacts things. Will Anderson on the defensive side of the ball for Houston, he is expected to sit out on Sunday. So I, I think a lot of things pushing me toward Tennessee. Am I, am I getting a little overzealous?
2: I don't think so. Um, you know, I I know that we we can run real hot and cold when it when it comes to Tennessee, you know, like the Atlanta game really threw us for a loop. It's like, wh- where did that come from? You know, like Will Levis's uh, NFL debut or fir- first start and, and it goes like that. And then he kind of plays like what we mostly expected uh, for for like the, the month following. And then last week he was just uh, guts and, and just putting it all out there running over Jalen Ramsey. That was like one of my absolute favorite tw- uh, tweets this week was the the still shot. Of Jalen Ramsey, like his head was like between his own knees, like <laughs> he was getting trucked so hard by by a quarterback. Uh, unreal stuff there for, from Levis. So uh, he he goes he goes hard in the pain. I, I do like Will Levis, but um, yeah, I think that the wheels seem to be kind of falling off for the Texans. They've been an amazing story that this year um, after basically just being a team that we talked about the same way that we talk about the Panthers uh, over the last few years. But the, those injuries mounting don't feel great about Stroud feel less great about the offense generally, you know, no Dell, of course, um, Collins, I'm very dubious on, on him playing Noah Brown uh, already, not a great player to begin with. If he's at less than hundred percent and you have him, Robert Woods, what Xavier Hutchinson and John Mechie out there also a, a running game that uh, I, I was kind of shocked that it was doing as well as it was there for, for a little while in November. I think that that's coming back uh, to earth a little bit. So Everything kind of points me to the Titans and and that makes me a little bit scared because we know that, that it can go away at any moment with, with the Titans. Uh sixty-three percent of the money is coming in on the Titans, but I'm with the public here, man. I, I, I think that the Texans are in a tough spot and and uh, Tennessee for their own part has been pretty good against the number at home, four and two, and and you know they were very close to being five and one if that overtime game breaks a little bit differently against Indianapolis the other week.
1: Hey man, the public's still running hot. 108, 86 and six. ATS uh, in, in public games this season. So I don't know if that's something we should necessarily be running from. Hmm. It, to me, it just comes down to Davis Mills. Like Davis Mills is very bad, and especially when you take away his top two weapons, if Nico Collins doesn't play, it's like what are we looking at here, right? We we we've seen it. We saw it for a couple of years in Houston. What what Davis Mills looks like, even if CJ Stroud were to play, I still might, I still might like Tennessee straight up. Like I I think we we kind of got a taste of all right. You know if you could put pressure on CJ Stroud, which teams have been doing. For the last couple of weeks, and you, you take away some playmakers, nothing against CJ Stroud. You know, he's still one of the best rookie quarterbacks we've seen, but you know, any quarterback's gonna look different under those circumstances. And you know, the, the, the downgrade from Stroud to Davis Mills really cannot be overstated. So I, I love the spot for Tennessee. I, I don't it's not even an endorsement of Will Levis, like I'm not factoring that into into my pick whatsoever. I, I think this is a grind it out, pound Derrick Henry 20 times, sit on the ball and just don't make mistakes. And you know, if it's Davis Mills on the other side you probably win that game 80 to 90% of the time.
2: I'm with you there. Davis Mills, um, you know, other than just having a giant neck, uh, not, not a okay. whole lot to, to speak of there. Um, so, and, and um, you know, Levis might, might even have a stronger neck if they were to, to get in the weight room and do like the the neck machine. So, um, you know, his calling card has been trumped by, by someone else already. So, me the Titans.
1: Patriots and the chiefs. We got the Patriots as seven and a half point home dogs. Our total is down at 37. This one locked at eight uh, in favor of the Kansas city chiefs in the circuit contest. So it continues to move in favor of new England. That's been the theme throughout the week. You know, th- this comes down to, to me of like, all right, we're going to get an answer. I think one way or the other on Kansas city, because this is such an obvious, like, all right, take out our frustrations spot, right? Like everything's been going wrong the last couple of weeks. Everybody thinks our offense is broken. If it's, if it's truly not broken, then go, go put up 35 on new England and and win this game by three or four scores. So I I, I think that is in the cards for Kansas city. I I think it's also very possible that they struggle again. And then the real alarm bells start going off. Right. I mean, I've, I've been, I'm the most like Patrick Mahomes, loyal uh, football person that there is. And look, if you struggle against the new England Patriots, that that to me is going to set off alarm bells that I didn't think I would be I would be setting off at any point this season. So I think we're going to have an answer on Kansas City one way or the other. Are they capable of one of these you know big bounce back type of games against a bad team? I don't know.
2: Right. I think you you detailed this perfectly. Like the game going one of two ways. Either either the Chiefs really uh, exercise their demons here and and uh, you know go kind of crazy on the Patriots. I mean this uh, going into last week on the look ahead. You know the the Chiefs were ten that or I'm sorry, yeah, ten point favorites. Uh, for this one but that's obviously changed in light of the the patriots uh winning in pittsburgh and, and having a little bit of the rest advantage and, and the chiefs uh continuing to just be stuck in the mud the way that they have for the majority of the season and you almost wonder uh if like the the way that that game ended last week with it with the play getting called back you know does that take the wind out of their proverbial sails even further you know they, and they don't have a ton of cushion in the afc west anymore you know they, they've lost a game to the Broncos who continue to, to find ways to, to win ugly. I don't know, but my gut tells me uh, that I think this is the game where, where the chiefs wake back up. And I think that the the fact that the line has moved the way, the way that it has, I think it, it works uh, in our favor. If we were to, to go uh, w- with the chiefs, I'm not buying that, that the Patriots uh, really fixed anything last week. I, I think that, you know, they played well for their own part, probably their best game of the season, but I think, a lot of that also has to do with with the Steelers probably not being that good especially when when Mitchell Trubisky uh is in there at quarterback so um i think this this game won't be uh particularly beautiful but i, I think you know what if if the chiefs are holding the the patriots to like 14 points or less which i think is definitely in the cards because i don't think that the chiefs defense gets enough credit uh i think that the it's going to be hard to hold the chiefs under 21 Mm-hmm. So I, I think that the Chiefs end up uh, taking this one and, and getting the cover.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's moved a little bit too far in favor of yeah. New England, and I've, I'm certainly a lot more comfortable taking KC here than I would be at ten and a half. So I I like the Chiefs as well. I, I don't. I'm not expecting you know a full blown you know we're back type of performance. I, I, again, I don't know if the Chiefs are even capable of that no. right now, especially against a New England defense that can still. Someone hold its own, especially against the run. So, you know, I think there will be opportunities for Kansas City to run away with this game. But I don't think we're going to come come away, you know, feeling any differently about either of these teams. I think it'll be a all right. Kansas City took care of business, but they didn't really they didn't really send any kind of message to the rest of the NFL. Uh, KC defense, by the way, has allowed eight straight hundred plus yard games. Um, something to consider. I mean, I, not that New England is, is great at running the ball. I think they're like bottom seven uh, in terms of yards per attempt, DPA, things like that. Um, and you know, it's hard to imagine New England keeping pace by simply gashing them on the ground, but that was something that stood out last week against Buffalo. I, and I don't know why the bills went away from it. Like that's how they built the lead in the first place was just James cook over and over just, you know, seven, eight yards per carry. And they completely got away from it in the second half. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, without Ramondre, is New England able to get anything going on the ground as a way to try to hang around. But I'm with you overall, I, I would trust the chiefs here minus seven and a half. And I actually like that one quite a bit. Niners Cardinals. Biggest spread of the week. It uh, feels like the Niners are involved in that basically every week now. They are 12 and a half point road favorites at Arizona. This is almost a default pick for me at this point. I know Arizona's coming off of a bye. They had the big win against Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago. Also just a weird game. Multiple weather delays. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh was just kind of mala- malaise from the start and I thought Arizona played about as well as it possibly could have. I, th- I think we see Arizona come crashing back down here. I, I really like San Francisco, even on the road um, that to me, when they're fully healthy, like they're, they're just, I, I don't view them like I view other teams. Like I, I don't really feel like they're susceptible to, to a big letdown here at Arizona. And obviously we, we feel, feel great about them winning this game straight up, but I really like it in San Francisco, even with the number.
2: Well, I generally would be with you and, and, you know, like the, the Niners have been uh, my best bet. I feel like more often than, than not, uh, especially since, since their bye week. But uh, I did see an interesting tweet. Uh, We bring this guy up every week. Our guy, John Ewing, uh, does a lot of betting analytics. He says that since 2003, double-digit road favorites are 52 and 73. That's 42% against the spread. And that includes 19 and 38 against the spread in December and January. So um, those those are concerning trends. And, you know, San Francisco – I don't know if you could really blame them for viewing this as a bit of a look ahead. They got the Ravens on, on Christmas at, at home. I think they, they I don't think we're going to get their sharpest game. I don't know if like the, the if it really means much against the Cardinals necessarily, but uh, with, with the number being uh, what it is and the Cardinals coming off the buy, I don't know. I, I for me, that this one is is something that I'm less inclined to just like lock in and, and forget about it. Though, uh, unlike how it's been with, with me and the, and the Niners, you know, basically since they're by.
1: Yeah, I understand that. I mean, it's a big number and you know, especially on the road uh, against the team that has a good quarterback. Right. And, and a team that I think has maximized its talent for the most part this season, despite their record. I just think the 49ers look impenetrable to me right now. And I don't yeah. I don't think they need to even play a great game to win by two scores. That's the thing with San Francisco is like they could play against a team like Arizona. They could play like a B-level game and probably find their way to a 13 point win. Right. And yeah, for me, it's mostly Arizona's defense. I, I don't think the bye week is solving anything. They're 31st in EPA, dead last in success rate, 30th in pressure rate. They're not going to be able to get after Brock Purdy whatsoever. The Cardinals have also been terrible in division for the last couple of years. 1-12 in 12 ATS in their last 13 games against divisional opponents. They have not covered a home division game since October of 2021. Kyler Murray, 1-3 mm-hmm. in three ATS coming off of a bye. 4-8 ATS on extended rest in his career. So if you're thinking mm. about the buy to me, that's just not really that much of a factor, but I, I get it. I mean, I, I do think, I, I think Kyler could do enough. Like if the Cardinals cover this game, it would be, it would be in the backdoor fashion, right? Like I don't see this being a back and forth game where we don't know who's going to win going into the fourth quarter. To me, it would be San Francisco, you know, letting up 10 points in the fourth quarter and you lose what what felt like was going to be a sure cover.
2: And Cardinals have done that a couple times this year. Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't backdoor against uh, against the Cowboys, of course, but you know, they, they did that's that to the right. Ravens. Yeah, right through, straight, you know, not even ringing the doorbell, but um, you know, I guess I guess we're we're going to end up probably being split here, maybe maybe opt to leave this one off, but um my my, my 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 feel on this one is Cardinals just uh the the inflated spread here.
1: Okay, a game that I really like as we get into the late window on Sunday Commanders Rams. Rams mm-hmm. Six and a half point favorites at home. That's where the number locked in. Circa. This is my uh, Nick Whalen. I'm concerned how much I like this one, and I'll yes. not to be wrong. Game of the week. Uh, this this would be such a commander spot to just show up, and you know this this ends up being a game where both teams are in the 30s. I I just feel like the Rams are trending in the right direction, even after coming off of a loss last week against Baltimore. Like I, I feel better about the Rams. You know, hanging with the Ravens, losing. You know, on somewhat of a fluky play in overtime. Uh, You know, getting to 30 plus for the third straight week against what might be the best defense in the NFL on the road. You know, they're mostly healthy coming out of that game. Kyron Williams is running wild. They got Nakua and Cooper Cup both putting up big numbers uh, every week. Like, I I think there's a lot to like about the Rams and the Rams are also they're motivated. Right. I mean, they're six and seven. They need to keep winning. This is this is arguably their easiest remaining game on the schedule. Like you need to get a win here. You need to win convincingly, uh, you know, to, to, to hang around in the NFC wildcard race. The question is do we get the same hollow berserker game?
2: That's a, that's a concern, right? I mean, uh you know, Washington coming off the bye, you know that they're just going to be chucking it so that that um that Rams secondary in particular is going to be tested. Uh they gave up 300 yards through the air to, the, to Lamar Jackson uh last week. Uh, I I'm with you with with the way you characterized it in that I don't see how the Rams don't cover this. I I think the Rams are have been all over the map that this year and I think that they've vaulted their way uh, towards being a respectable team. That's yeah, it, absolutely um, in the playoff hunt. I think that there's a, a massive coaching edge in favor of the Rams in this spot. And, you know, like you said, you're, you're looking ahead a little bit as far as the rest of the schedule goes, like you have to have this one. I think Washington off the by, like it doesn't matter like that. They, they haven't, they have problems that can't be fixed in a two week span. I love the Rams here um i love them a lot I, I think that they they really could kind of put a hurt on on washington here because for the, for their own part the offense especially through the air is go, is presents such a huge mismatch against this washington secondary
1: ron rivera 5 and 10 against the number coming off of a bye in his career so traditionally it's not necessarily been an advantage spot for him commanders dead last in points allowed dead last in points per drive especially bad Against the pass, they've also allowed 100 plus rush yards in 10 of 12 games uh, since week one. So I, yeah, I, I, there's just not a whole lot pointing me in favor of Washington. You, you just got to believe that they're going to, you know, kind of snap out of it on offense. And you know, early in the season, midway through the year, yeah, you know, they they played the Eagles close a couple of times. Uh, you know, they've they've had those explosive games offensively. They pile up a lot of yardage, uh, but you know, they've also committed a turnover in what seven straight games. They had a six turnover game against the Giants. And this defense has gone a full month plus. They've gone like five weeks without forcing a single turnover. And again, even if you think this is a good spot for the Washington offense, which I, I know in the fantasy world, a lot of people do, you're going to have to force a couple of turnovers here, I think, to to have a chance to really hang around and, and keep this within a score. And the, the defense just hasn't done that. I mean, it's not just lately. like right? They barely forced any turnovers all season and you know, to go four straight games you know, against, against some pretty vulnerable teams uh, and and not force any turnovers. I I don't know if that really changes this week. So I I really, really like the LA Rams. And I want to put that one on the card. Cowboys bills, another banger, the bills, the bills are just playing these big games every single week at this point. Uh, They are two point home favorites for the Dallas Cowboys. 50 and a half is our total same total as that commanders Rams game. Is, Is this another, like the bills just Find a way because that's how it's going to go, type of game. And that that's how I feel. Like I, I can't really put forth why it's going to happen, but it's it's basically the same reason why I took the Bills last week.
2: I I, look, I like the Bills a lot last week. I, I think I'm stopping short. I think I've been, I've been a reluctant uh Cowboys investor uh through the first couple months of the season, but I think I'm I'm fully in. Um I, I really uh, like the Cowboys. I, I know that they're much better at home than they are on the road so that there's some concern there. I don't think the weather's gonna be too terrible up in Buffalo though, l- luckily. So that, that that definitely helps things. I think Dallas is just the better team. I think they're more opportunistic. Um, I think that Josh Allen makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, the, the Bills tried to give away that game last week. We, we were texting during the, the, the two minute saga, uh, just in complete disbelief of what McDermott or Joe Brady or whoever's to blame. Uh, what was doing with with their play call sequencing? Um, I don't think you're getting away with that um, against the the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys straight up are, are better than the Chiefs. Um, so I, I like the Cowboys here. I, I like them on the money line. Um, I'm, I think it, it's reasonable for for the public to have kind of like caught wind of, of the fact that the Bills are, are much better than you know what what their record suggested um, just a few weeks ago. Um, you know, I, I tweeted out that. I think it was last week, like, oh, they're, they're like 4-1 to one to make the playoffs. That's going to look a lot different after they beat the Chiefs. It did. They're like plus 15, 115 to make the playoffs now. Um, but I, I think that this is a game where, where they uh, it's not a slip-up, but I, I think they, they do drop this one at home, and and uh, the, the hand-wringing about the Bills and, and what they're going to do this season continues.
1: Yeah, I think the question is, like, is this a different Dallas team? Because we've been down this road with the Cowboys so many times. Like, they're usually a good regular season team, but this is this is the type of game that they would always lose right? And I, I think you could say last week against Philly. That's typically the type of game that maybe they wouldn't lose, but they wouldn't win it the way they did. So if you if you think this Dallas team is surreal, then yeah, I, I think Dallas should win this game. They're, they're the better team. They've been the better coach team this year. They've been the far more consistent team this season. And I, I think there's this, this belief that, man, you get them out of Jerry World, you get them on the road, they become a different team. And that is true. But I mean, pretty much every team is going to be going to fall victim to that. Right. And it's like the, the Cowboys have almost been punished for how, how much they beat up on teams at home. Um, but now you, you're kind of convincing me here because, you know, again, my reason was the bills, you know, it's just how it's going to go. They're going to win it. Like, I, I can't give you a good reason why the bills are going to win. Dallas is better in almost every facet of the game. And they've, they've been that team through the entire season. Whereas Buffalo feels like it's just kind of skating by these last couple of weeks. So I, I I'm inclined to trust you on this one. dude. You, you, is it in consideration for the card is the question.
2: 100%. I really do like the, the Cowboys here. I think that they, they win this one. And, and again, the, the Bills, uh, they're, they're going to be freaking out again uh, as, as of Monday or Sunday night. I, I really think that uh, the Cowboys really are, um, I would say, probably the second best team in football behind the 49ers. Um, this is a huge spot for them to kind of prove that they aren't just uh, like, you know, we we only win when the, when the conditions are favorable. Going into Buffalo in December and making a statement, I feel like that's part of this season's narrative for for the Cowboys.
1: Stephon Diggs, by the way, averaging 53 receiving yards over the last seven games. You know, that's that that's concerning. Dallas has not had that issue getting CeeDee Lamb going, right? And I, no. I think if, if the Bills aren't able to run for seven yards a carry for three quarters of the game like they were against Kansas City, and you got to rely on Josh Allen, I, I know he's better at home, uh, but – that, that's that, that's a dicey proposition to me. I think this Buffalo passing game you know, is, is another reason that this team has struggled. The consistency has not been anywhere near where it was last season, the season before, or even earlier this season when Diggs got off to such a great start. But the last thing I'll say about this game, John, is no matter what, we're getting a massive overreaction one way or the other. Like Either right. the Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl or the Bills are back. There's no in-between.
2: <laughs> I uh, think I might have to tune into a first take in, in the herd on Monday regardless. <laughs>
1: All right, our teams facing off. We have we have completely buried the lead for like an hour here because mm. uh, we got Ravens Jags in Jacksonville, and not only will this game be played for us to watch on television, like I will be on Sunday night, one of us will be in the house, John, making the trip down to Jacksonville.
2: That's right, heading down on Saturday. A good good friend of mine, fraternity brother, uh, lives down there, and he's a he's a noted Jags fan, and uh, we're we're gonna go to the game together. It's gonna be a raucous time. I I can't wait. I think the weather's going to be kind of stinky, but, you know, that's besides the point, really. Um, I'm excited. This this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I know that, uh, you know, like around a week and a half ago, we were freaking out that, you know, that this was going to be CJ Beathard, but Trevor Lawrence played last week. He didn't play mistake free, of course, you know, had the three interceptions. I got to imagine he bounces back a little bit uh, this week, but I I think it's huge that that Kyle Hamilton on on the Ravens side of things did not suffer a huge injury because um, when he was on the field, the Rams were averaging four and a half yards per play when he was off seven and a half. So that, that, uh, that to me seems uh, significant. Um, So I think that this Ravens defense is going to batten down the hatches. I think having no Christian Kirk is definitely a detriment um, for, for the Jags you've talked about all year, the, the Jags inability to run the football like near the bottom of the barrel as far as EPA uh, per rush all that stuff so it's really going to be on Trevor Lawrence. I think that this Ravens secondary outside of Hamilton is is kind of gettable but I I'm I'm wondering if if Press Taylor like has the goods to like make them pay for it. So I think this is going to be a slog on offense as far as the Jags go and I think the Ravens uh for their part um, you know, they're, they're just a complete balanced team. They, they can hurt you with the run. Lamar ran more than, than we've been used to seeing for a lot of this year last week and really helped uh, Baltimore win that game by extending drives with, with his legs. Um, I think we could still see a huge Keaton Mitchell game. Of course, Odell is playing really well. Zay Flowers, um, you know, kind of had a rough game for most of the afternoon on, on Sunday, but really kind of, you know, dumb and dumber redeemed himself uh, with, with the Octopus uh, to help put the the Ravens ahead late, I think it's just it's so hard to shut down the Ravens' offense completely. So I think the Ravens are going to get theirs, and I think the Ravens' defense slows down the Jags enough. So, long story short, here I do think that I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that stadium happy on Sunday night.
1: I think you will as well. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I I would typically go like full negative on Jacksonville here. I don't think they win, but I, I think they keep it competitive. Uh, you know, I, I think they I think these last two weeks have been a a pretty serious and much needed wake up call for the Jags, especially defensively. I think they will be better on that end, but I mean, to me, these are kind of two straight nightmare matchups for a struggling running game going, going to Cleveland uh, and then facing, you know, what might be an even better and more well-rounded defense in the Ravens. The, The Jags just can't run the ball. They cannot run the ball on good teams. And, I don't care who your quarterback is, who your receivers are, who your offensive coordinator is. Like that just makes life really, really difficult. That it's a really difficult needle to thread when the opponent knows you can't run the ball, and every time you try, you, you gain like one or two yards, and you, you find yourself in a third and long. And that's just kind of been the story of the Jaguar season. Now the defense played so well early on and was generating so many turnovers that it didn't really matter. That that slowed down. You know, I, I know they, they they did get three turnovers last week against Cleveland. You can't really depend on that uh, against someone who's not named Joe Flacco. I think Lamar is a bad, bad matchup for the Jaguars, especially if he is willing to run more. Like that's something I've noticed with him too, where, you know, especially the kind of in the middle of the season, you're like, man, these running lanes are there. Like the, the old Lamar feels like he's taking these more often. And I think maybe smartly he's preserved his body a bit more throughout the regular season, considering what's happened in years past. But yep. I think this is kind of a kitchen sink game for the Baltimore offense. I think you, you put as much pressure on that Jags defense as you can. And I don't really trust the Jags defense in this spot. I think the Jags will score. Uh, As as much as they miss Christian Kirk, I think they will find ways to put points up, but I I do not trust them uh, to stop Baltimore when it really matters. So I I see this one being, you know, a game that's played in the mid to high twenties. I I would say, you know, Baltimore 28, Jacksonville 23, that type of game.
2: I I can see it, um, but either either way, um, I think the Ravens get this done maybe by a slightly larger cushion than just the the half point. But um, either way, um, I I do like the Ravens in in this spot. I think that, you know, the, the Jaguars, you know, I still have lingering faith in them. Like once the postseason comes, and I think that their their A game is very is, you know, among the best, but I, I'm not sure that that this is a matchup where, where it shows through. Give me the Ravens.
1: That game, by the way, locked at three in the circuit contest. It's up to three and a half now at most books. Eagles, Seahawks. We finished out with Monday night football. Eagles four-point favorites on the road at Seattle. I'm not willing to jump off the Eagles, man. I feel like there's been, okay. been a lot of Eagles negativity um, and yep. <laughs> it, it's tough. Like I, I, I get the spot, you know, you're going cross country to Seattle. This is you know kind of nearing the end of what's been just a crazy difficult stretch of schedule for Philly. They're banged up. Um, but I, 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 can't really, I can't really mount a case for Seattle, not knowing if we're going to see Drew Locke or Geno Smith.
2: I, th- that's where I, I come down on it as well. Um, I think the last two weeks, my best bets have been against the Eagles um, but I, I'm certainly not there with, with the Seahawks team, you know, talking about them earlier in the show, very concerned about them. They've, they've lost four straight. Again, they've had a, a gauntlet of their own of late, you know, having to play San Francisco like two times in, in what, like three weeks or something, having Dallas interspersed in, in there. Um, you know, that, that's pretty brutal on, on them as well, but the quarterback situation, I think it is really, really troubling as far as uh, our confidence in, in including this one way or the other, in the contest, but I think it, it is interesting to me nonetheless that the line is what it is, right? I mean, like it, it you said it's four points, like that doesn't that seem yep. a little
1: low? It does, it does seem low. It's it's a little suspicious, it's a little alarming. I'll give you that. Um you know, I it, it really depends like how you view the Eagles, right? Because if you're if you're an Eagles believer, like I am, I, I think for whatever reason they've been the target of criticism that to me has not been all that deserved, but counterpoint you look at their you know you look at their point differential for the year and it's not the point differential of a team with their record you know all the other teams that are in that zone are like you know plus 100 plus so i think the eagles are like plus 21 on the yeah, season defense. So, you know it, it's kind of an eye of the beholder like do you do you give them credit for finding ways to win close games or do you look back and say you know why are you only why, why are you needing to go you know deep into the fourth quarter just to barely squeak out a win over the commanders
2: so yeah
1: i i'm it you know after the
2: after the Chiefs game, I was like, okay, they're, they're like that team that that hangs in and finds ways to win. But but now um, I'm I'm less certain of that. And I think that, you know, they, they've been kind of knocked off their spot these last couple of weeks. And like Jalen Hurts, uh, as good as he is, like I think he needs to play like w- within structure. I don't think that he's going to go out there and like if you need him to throw 40 times, that that's a good thing for Philly. But again, it, it all comes down to like can Seattle, you know, put them – in that type of spot like uh the cowboys last week did a great job of shutting off like the open space running lanes for aj brown after the catch like he was not able to do anything after the catch that's kind of uh his calling card i think the seahawks kind of have the the secondary personnel to you know test that or at least give that a shot um i I don't know This, this game is impossible to me um I, I am losing the faith on, on the Eagles a little bit personally, but um I, I could see them, you know, ga- galvanizing here. Just I am, you know, all, all told pretty low on the Seahawks. And this is a, a, a gettable uh number if the Eagles play well. So I I, I side Eagles, but uh, I'm I'm concerned with this game overall as far as including it.
1: Yeah, I give a slight lead to the Eagles. I, I would hope that we don't have to include it. We will we'll do our normal, you know, conversing over the next couple of days and and narrow things down, but I don't I wouldn't say I love it. I wouldn't say I love it by any means. And it's, it's kind of a got to have a game right now for Seattle. And it means a lot for Philly as well. I mean, they, they can't really trip up the rest of the way uh, with regard to the division or, or even chasing the one seed. But um, I mean, this is, this is a back against the wall. If you want to make the playoff seat, you really feel like you got to win this if you're Seattle. Let's get to the parlays of the week, the teaser of the week and our best bets, John, that will be on our way. What is your parlay for NFL Week 15?
2: Okay, so the, this three-legged parlay, um, but the, there's a, a, a an optional fourth leg to, okay. to add add to it, um, but the the core three: Dallas money line, Denver money line, Tennessee against the spread. That pays out plus one thousand eighty two, plus ten eighty two. Uh, if you add the Rams against the spread, that turns into plus twenty one fifty seven. So mm. take that for what for what you will. But that is again Dallas money line, Denver money line. Tennessee against the spread. And then if you are feeling froggy Rams against the spread as well.
1: Okay. I, I do I have two parlays or two options here. Uh, if you're looking to play it a little bit safer, I, I'm just taking Bengals money line, Titans money line, Ravens money line that gets you to basically three to one at the DraftKings sports book. If you're looking for a dog parlay, John, we're taking mm-hmm. the Broncos. We're taking the bears and we are taking the Dallas Cowboys money lines. That gets you to plus. so about 13-1. to Okay, all right. So
2: we're seeing some some digits there uh, for both of us, some some four-digit parlay potentials here. Um, I I feel like between the two of us putting our heads together, the way that we've been running of late, I think one of these is going to come through.
1: The teaser of the week, we're going with a six-pointer, and we are going to involve two sides in a total. So Miami, we are teasing them. Uh, down to minus two and a half uh, at, at the time that I put this together. They were at minus eight. So Miami from eight to two and a half, the Rams teasing them just down to a half a point. We're going to take the, take the six and a half, take the field goal out of it. They just got to win that game straight up against Washington at home. And I'm teasing the Atlanta Carolina total up from 33 and a half to 39 and a half. Just, just, just a case of like a pick six, you know, a couple safeties from Desmond Ritter. We want to give ourselves a little bit more insurance. So, Uh, Miami down to two and a half Rams down to a half point and teasing the Falcons Panthers total up to 39 and a half. And of course, going under on that John, your best bet of the week.
2: My best bet of the week is the Cowboys Cowboys money line. I'm feeling it. I I think that there's a a little bit of a, um, a to use the Jeff Erickson, a whipsaw of public confidence in, in the bills that is going to be shot down this week.
1: All right. I like it. Putting your your money where your mouth is. I will do the same and take the Rams. You know, I I can't, I can't sit here and say I love this line and then not make it my best bet. So I'm going with the LA Rams to cover six and a half at home against the moribund Washington (laughs) commanders. I know they're coming off of a bye. I don't care. They are bad. The Rams are turning into a good team before our eyes and they will win that game by at least a touchdown. John, good talking through all these games with you as always. I got to run, going to talk NBA on the radio in like 40 minutes here, but Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Jacksonville, man. Uh, Looking forward to receiving a bunch of Snapchats, a bunch of texts. I'm sure we'll probably FaceTime at some point on Sunday as well. But live it up, man. Uh, I wish I could be there, but enjoy it.
2: Cheers, man. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, uh, I will be reporting live from uh, what used to be Altel Stadium.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of Americans are deficient in.